I wanted to implement like Nazball with like Maoist characteristics or something, <laughs> like I, I could like get some Hoon developers to like whip that up with me or what? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the way we're we're planning it out. Based, is, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like fake Twitter bio political alignment you can imagine. This is, so much, this is so much cooler than <laughs> NFT profile pics. <laughs> All right, what's up, everybody? This is Other Life. I am Justin Murphy. I just wanted to let you know that I write a free newsletter to thousands of people every week. It's where I publish my best work. I share events that you can come to and much more. We have an insane private community around the newsletter, and it's free. Go check it out. Just go to otherlife.co. That's otherlife.co. When you subscribe, I'm going to send you a folder of PDFs that contain all of my personal highlights from a bunch of my favorite books that I've read over the years. So you'll get a million insights after just a few minutes of browsing these PDFs, really. They're really special to me, and I just figured I'd share them with you all. So that's otherlife.co, otherlife.co. All right, everybody. Other Life Podcast. I'm Justin Murphy. I'm here in the office of Assembly Capital in Austin. I'm hanging out with Anthony Arroyo on my left here and Trent on my right. Trent is the founder of a new startup that's being built on Urbit. Yes, that's right. Startups are being built on Urbit. It's Development is happening much faster than you would realize. That's why I'm doing all these interviews because it's just really exciting time. So in, specifically, Trent is building a startup on Urbit that is providing DAO tooling, basically, because the the futuristic communities are going to be built on Urbit, not on fucking Discord, because Discord is just, come on, come on. So I want to go, we're going we're gonna to talk all about DAOs and what to expect in the near future of, of Urbit, uh, the interesting opinions that you have around, you know, how you got into all of this, uh, why this is so interesting and exciting to you. And Anthony, uh, as uh, the guy leading up the combine and kind of leading up the different startup ventures being built on Urbit, uh, we'll just be kind of here to hang out. And Hi- hype man. Hype the man. hype man. And, uh, and he'll contribute two cents. Booth uh, girl slash hype uh, man. Whenever, whenever he wants. <laughs> so yeah, I think maybe the best place to start is I looked at mock-ups of um, the, the, the tooling that you're building and you're calling the Urbit version of DAOs colonies. Give the audience just a, a sketch of what you're building exactly and what it's going to look like for different human organizations and communities to build uh, sophisticated crypto enabled uh, coordination mechanisms on Urbit. Okay. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> the startup that, you know, our startup's called Holium. And really, the vision that we have is it, re- it really started with kind of just realizing how bad the DAO experience it was currently online. Oh, then we'll get closer. <laughs> um, right. So, so yeah, part of that is that, you know, it's everything's on Discord, right? So you have like 1,000, you know, channels that are all for different things and all this stuff. Um, you have, you know, an app, various apps spread across, you know, different things, different services. You have like Snapshot for voting. You might have, you know, your treasury on Gnosis Safe, um, or you might have it, you know, in some other mechanism or some other platform, but there's all these different places that you would go to sort of engage in a DAO. And then beyond that, you then you have file sharing. You've got like a notion for all your docs, or you've got a forum like randomly spun up somewhere. So it's all the very discombobulated. It's all over the place. It it's, sucks. It's disjointed. That's yeah. what you're saying. It yeah, sucks. It, it, it just sucks. It just sucks. Yes, yeah. it's horrible. Technical um, term. Technical and, term. And, and this is the reason why like, the, like Urbit is going to be, I think, the most ideal place to do DAOs. And it's because it has it has the ID layer built in, which is one important thing. Um, so, because one thing is, is like you know, what, when you when you're on a DAO right now and everyone's 
account name is just like, you know, zero X F one one or whatever. Right. And there's like 10,000 fake Vitalik's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's so many, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now they have, they have the cool, you know, ENS stuff now, but I still think that there's, there's something that, that will needs to be done in terms of the overall experience. And, and like all this stuff's on web too right now. Like, I mean, I think, you know, snapshot for voting and all these other things have like the blockchain um, integrations and stuff, but really like, how can you build sort of these decentralized organizations of the future if you're just like, you know, using Discord, right? right. Or you're using, you know, whatever, Google Chat or something. That's obviously not the end point of all of this. Wasn't there there some uh, DAO that just got, whose Discord got hacked and the whole thing just collapsed? And you're like, oh, really? Bro. <laughs> well, Anthony, so from your perspective as the guy kind of leading startup efforts on Urbit, um, you, you know, how do you see this as a priority for Urbit, the, the, the moving of DAOs from Discord onto Urbit? Like, how do you think about that from a kind of business development perspective so, and from a network development perspective? Okay. Anybody who knows anything about Urbit knows that sometimes we talk about some space age shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we talk about some space age shit, the blood computer, you know, <laughs> the full <laughs> levitating, rotating Let's orb go. computer. Yeah. Let's go. This is not that. Okay. This is like the most pragmatic thing in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Like a lot of people need it now. DAOs yeah. exist. Right. The experience sucks. We have a general purpose computer that's connected to the internet that has an ID layer that you own cryptographically. It's like, let's fucking go. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, this, this is not, so to me, this right, is a right. no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, there's a lot of nuance, right? In, I think, in, you know, Right now, the DAO experience, there's a lot of stuff that people use chains for. Maybe they don't need to use chains. It was like, you know, there's sort of like, where do those lines draw? But the use case is there. And I think once you add like DeFi DAOs, people who are trying to do sort of like actively do financial stuff as well. And then you have a recipe for, okay, this is something that Urbit is actually superior. This is not like Urbit is superior if you buy into our whole thing. This is like a thing where we can provide a superior experience. Right. So to me, this is actually kind of a no-brainer. Right. Um, and uh, I mean, it's funny. I, uh, Josh uh, Warref and I at the foundation sitting there talking about, oh, you know, Dow's cool, whatever. Like this is a... This is our thesis, you know, <laughs> and then like, uh, you know, Trent literally like drops out of the sky and like, you know, comes to assembly, you know, he had this idea that was sort of like, I think, polka dot where you, you yeah, were going to be built on polka dot. Yeah. And, and he's like, ah. he comes in, sees what we got going on. He's like, oh shit. You know, so okay. this is like synchronicity is real. You okay. This is And, and, and we even right. like, we had gotten rolling. Like I had, we had a peer to peer chat that we kind of had built. Um, because our whole ethos at the beginning was like, it's got to be peer to peer or else it's just, you know, yeah. of another fucking discord. Yeah. Right. So we had done a, quite a bit of work, to, but then I sort of made this decision that it makes so much sense to sort of take all the ideas and leave the, the actual code yeah. behind yeah, just, oh, absolutely. just for this. And because like everything is already kind of built with Urban. And I think the part of us for us is it's like, there's this, technical challenge of building all this stuff, right? Like peer-to-peer databases that work um, and, you know, somehow have persistence outside of like, you know, a bunch of people's devices that are running this thing, right? So like, how does all that work? And kind of is already solved with a lot of stuff everyone was doing. So for me, I was like, actually, it's going to be a lot easier 
in the, in the long run if we build it on Urbit versus and you could focus on the stuff. product questions yeah. and like making a good UX and it being you know as opposed to solving all the re, yeah. re boiling the ocean basically. right so so basically the attractions of Urbit are manifold but the it sounds like the big ones would be you already mentioned the identity system having that ident- having a peer to peer identity and messaging system baked in mm-hmm. to 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 the the platform that you're building on but also having crypto primitives, right? Like there's already a Bitcoin wallet. There's probably going to be other wallets built into Urbit ships. Having all of that um, and messaging in one place, yeah. it basically just kind of makes Urbit the no-brainer for the real DAOs of the future. Yeah, I, I think it makes it a no-brainer. And, and for us, like all we have to, all we really have to do is, <laughs> all we have to do um, yeah. is is just kind of take take what you guys have started with the whole Urbit project in terms of like just make it better just make well, it yeah, work. and just make well <laughs> essentially like we're going to we're going to make this new unified experience that does tie all these things together that I mentioned earlier which is like you know you have to go there for this and all this and it's like you have 15 different services that you're running a down on whereas in this it's like one place you have one place you go into that place you can have all the DAOs that you would be want to be a part of on it um, the experience is you've chat You've got like a wiki. You've got um, this cool new, like kind of Dow Google News sort of thing. You've got all these ideas that are pulling all this data together um, that you're never, you're not going to get anywhere else. And and part of it is, is like we want to be able to sort of maximize that collaborative factor of Dow's because that's the, I think really where if you can unlock that collaboration um, layer, like in all of these Dow's that's when you can start seeing really cool stuff happening. Okay, awesome. So let's paint a picture for, for people watching and listening about what this is actually going to look like concretely. So I believe Holium is, is looking to ship a working version sometime this year. Mm-hmm. And tell us in, in, in concrete detail, like what are, what are the, the variables? What are the, what are the primitives that are going to be involved in the colony software? on Urbit. Uh, I know that there's communities may have their own cryptocurrencies. There are going to be governance options, different types of governance structures. Um, it will, for people who are already familiar with DAOs, um, it's, it's kind of a competitor system to the current stack of like the discord bots that check for, you know, ERC 20 holdings in MetaMask. Uh, I believe the, the colony, uh, software that you're building is basically going to be kind of, um, an alternative or superior version of of that stack, but mm-hmm. but it has some interesting opinions baked into it around yeah. around the different governance types. Just tell us um, at a high level what are the moving parts of the colony as as you're building it. Sure. Well, really, I could just give you sort of the tentative roadmap. Okay. And obviously, with you know, develop. It seems like notorious around the urban space that things tend to take longer than <laughs> you expect. But I'm hoping to try to find a way to make make that an ex- make an exception for that. But um. Yeah, so it really starts with the first app we're going to be re- working on is is this voting app. And our first version of this voting app is going to be, um, at first it's not going to be blockchain, like not be connected to a blockchain. It's going to be sort of like for groups that are that you're currently using. Um, so like if, if you're part of a group, you could get in and do, you know, vote on, you know, some stupid polls or something uh, about like, you know, do I like cats or dogs better or whatever the case yeah. is or like, or, you know, wh- whatever, whatever you want to vote on. So that would be like version one. And then version two of that voting app is going to be, you know, enabled with uh, probably Ethereum integration or Ukbar, which is the native blockchain that's being built for Urbit. Um, and one of the things that's going to happen is there's going to be an action that could be triggered at the end 
of that. So if you do a vote, an action might be, you know, ban this person from the chat or kick them from the chat. Or it could be like, you know, in the future, when we build out the rest of the modules, which I'll you know, list out here in a second, it would be like, you know, pay this person through the treasury, right? So really, the modules that we're, we're going to be working on... Oh, cool. On, That's cool. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like smart contract functionality, but because of Urbit's design, you don't actually need this Ex overkill smart exactly contract bullshit. Justin. Yes, right? <laughs> exactly. yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's I, cool. I think the way that we're sort of seeing it is that you really need it for that financials layer, like a lot of the financial stuff. So like treasury stuff we'll probably need to do on chain. Um, but like some of the other stuff, you might not need to do everything. But it's still programmatic and it's yeah, still kind precisely. of irreversible and uh, mm. immutable, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like the final state would be, be stored in some way on, on, a, on a chain. Um, but all but of this intermediary for, for the, the non-chain stuff, the stuff that doesn't need to go, like booting a member. If everyone agrees that we boot a member, oh, yeah. it's like... Like stuff you, like that, if, it doesn't need to be the on the rules, chain. Yeah. If the rules are defined by the community to be a majority vote determines if someone gets kicked, mm -hmm. and then a vote goes through and a majority determines person X gets kicked, he gets kicked, and there's no if ands, or buts about it, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. It goes, it doesn't it need to goes go on through the with a programmatic... Yeah. Yeah a hardcore yeah. kind of programmatic logic, so but it's not a smart contract. Yeah, yeah, and so this is, I think, something that's very interesting uh, and one of the benefits of, you know, your Urbit is an entire computer. It is not an account, right? I mean, this is the thing that I think we're so used to, like, accounts yeah. that we forget that an Urbit is an entire computer, which means that based on this vote, any action that a computer can take can be triggered. That's kind of yeah. an amazing thing to think right. about, right? Like you literally could have a vote and it could just nuke the ship or, I mean, don't, don't do that, <laughs> yeah. right? But it's sort of like, that, and so like we, we think about things like, you know, display the results of this vote is just actually a command. It's just a function, running right. a function, right? But that function could be pay this person. It could be ban this person. It could be things we could never even imagine. Right. So you even just within the small thing of voting, yeah. right, you have the ability of like, you know, collaborative computing, basically. Right. Like, awesome. Should yeah. we, and just like, it could be trivial things and it could be, like I said, things that we can't even imagine. Yeah, that's a cool initial product. That's cool. Okay. So yeah. same, so that's, so that's going to be the first thing. Um, and then after that, we sort of have, like, we, we really think that through this first app that we're building, we're going to learn all the lessons we need to sort of get the, get the speed and the churn out for some of these other features. And that's going to be like, um, this thing we call treasury, um, which is just the treasury. Uh, it's yeah. like Gnosis safe, essentially. Like it, the design, which I, you know, I'll show, I'll show yeah. you guys later, is essentially just like Gnosis safe, but like on Urbit. Um, and then we have this thing called the Foundry. Um, and the Foundry really is just this app that we're going to launch that is kind of like if, it, if, you, if you've used Aragon's DAO creation tool, it's kind of like that, um, where you just go through this workflow or this wizard, I guess, and you can choose all these settings. You can choose your governance type. You can like choose the sort of, you know, the app P of the people that are founding it. So it's be like you and you want to, you know, launch at this token and split it between you and this other guy. Um, you'd be able to just type in the name, it all completes. And that's the kind of the cool stuff about building on Urbit is that you're sort of tied to an identity when you're doing these things. So you go through this process, you, you, you know, define your token supply, um, whether you're using it for like governance or reputation or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and then you could go and choose the governance type. And we have, you know, we, we have this interesting thing where we want to, we want to enable all sorts of different governance. So we even have an option for monarchy and really <laughs> benign it, monarchy. Benign, and what, and, is, and, <laughs> what does that mean? Just like a single user decides everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it could be, you could just think of it as, is like a, a traditional corporation kind of, 
Okay, right? yeah, with so, the CEO who like with calls the, CEO. the shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like sort of absolute monarchy sort of thing can be done as well. Where, but but I think there is you, communism an option. One person well, DAO. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, and someone suggested DAO. Yeah, someone suggested in, in one of our in our public colony initiative group on Urbit that you know bureaucracy. You should put bureaucracy on. That. I was like, who? Like, just imagine <laughs> imagine being the person who's like, I want to choose bureaucracy <laughs> for my government. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like, like, like ban that guy. I'm like, ban <laughs> some 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 like German Prussian guy <laughs> exactly. in like a navy blue like collared coat comes yeah. in and is like, bureaucracy, please. Exactly. License, please. <laughs> bureaucracy license, please. But I think making it flexible to be to sort of enable people to try, you know, really dumb ideas. Um, so you learn why they're bad, right? So, so, like, so it's arbitrary. The people can potentially design different governance systems to an arbitrarily wide degree. So like if I wanted to implement like Nazball with like Maoist characteristics or something, <laughs> like I, I could like get some Hoon developers to like whip that up with me or what? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the way we're we're planning it out. Based, is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, any yeah, yeah. like fake <laughs> Twitter bio political alignment you can imagine. This we is, can, so, yeah. much, this is so much cooler than <laughs> NFT profile pics. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. it's the cool thing about Urbit, right? So if you wanted to make those changes, like you can, you know, pull down the desk. You can go. We're going to have a directory for this, and it's going to define all the different rules for governance. And you could just write your own file called like I don't know, like Maoist, like future, like right. whatever. Fu- Maoist futurism, Ma- Ma- like futurism, yeah. yeah, or whatever. Like I'm in. The whole thing is we want to build it to be flexible because a lot of things with DAOs are, have to be flexible, right? So I think our sort of methodology is we're going to build it with this sort of limited scope so we get something done, but we want to build each of these sure. pieces so that if you you know have a capability of Hoon. Um, you have a developer that can do Hoon. Um, you could come in, you could add your stuff, you could, you know, build whatever system you want. So we're trying to make it be as open as possible. Got it. In so, that way. Uh, let me just point something out here. Um, so one of the things about Urbit that's really unique, right, is that you know exactly what someone else is, that, that someone else, all network participants are running knock. Okay. So that means that I can basically make assumptions about other people's ships and the performance of those ships that you can't make on the traditional internet, right? And so this is actually what you think about why smart contracts exist. A lot of that is to provide this sort of like uh, base layer of agreement, right? On like, what is the structure of this agreement? Mm. And so what's interesting about, about Urbit and about just the way that our stack is constructed is you get a lot of those guarantees without a smart contract. So we can basically think about how, okay, I want to have an agreed upon way of, of governing. I want to be able to look at the rules for lack of a better term, right? Well, we think about having a solidity contract as being the way you do that. Well, we could also do it the way that we're doing it, right? And anybody, we all know that we all write Hoon. We all know Hoon. Most of us know Hoon, right? So you can pull it down. You can just see what someone's doing. You can even see the compiled knock and know that's what's running. And that's, I think, what's interesting is a lot of these problems have been solved assuming a blockchain. And you don't need a blockchain for a lot of this stuff. You need Urbit. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit more about some crazy futuristic shit and how like <laughs> Urbit is going to you Enough know like overthrow the uh, the global techno commercial mega machine. I mean, I believe that's kind of how you got into Urbit, that's right? Q two. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the, yeah, that's the Q two release. Uh, yeah. th- that's kind of how you got into this world and this ecosystem. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your perspective on yeah, just because I believe you were building like commercial AI systems for big oil companies. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, tell tell us like about that story about how what you were doing and how the kind of uh, how you got urbit pilled basically yeah uh, so essentially 
yeah, what was it? In 2017, or it was 2016, I, I, got, I was working at GE and I, I got involved in this AI projects in oil and gas. Um, and at the time I was in Canada, I wanted to stay in Canada. You know, my boss in the U.S. was pulling me back to come back to GE US. And I just quit. And with these two guys, um, we, we started building up this AI company. We were doing this, a lot of cool projects. We were working with Calgary Flames. We were using like graph theory simulations to like see how this player was going to, you know, impact the stats and like the total number of wins for, for the play, for the different seasons. So like we would take a player off, put them on and stuff like that. And you would be able to see like, oh, now they, they, this whole season, they, they score like, you know, whatever, 70 points or whatever versus like 50. That's, those numbers are probably very off. Anyways, <clears throat> then, then we went to, you know, work with big oil companies. Um, we, we beat IBM on a contract actually, which was Do you hilarious. get a plaque for that? <laughs> no, you don't get a plaque, but you know, it was, it was fun to sort of like, win and then just sort of like drop the mic and leave like <laughs> not in this do the sort work. of like meeting yeah and then they, anti-work yeah yes. yeah it was, so, it was so, so you're getting these massive contracts you're drinking champagne you're kicking back and you're like yeah. fuck i'm building skynet yeah, yeah is, that, like, is that like what what's kind of going on yeah, here it's pretty much that yeah it was like okay so there was this moment where we were pitching to this big oil company like we had already gotten this pretty big project with them and we're like this is going to be the next five years with you. Like if you work with us and we were pitching this, you know, these meta models, you were, we would stack all these models. So you'd have like, you know, the well model, this sort of oil, oil field model. You'd have like the division model and eventually you'd have like CEO model. <laughs> <laughs> I, we didn't tell we didn't pitch that to the CEO, <laughs> but like the idea was that, you know, you could keep doing this sort of like stacking or whatever. And, and obviously it would never work, but, you know, but you know, the slides look good though. <laughs> yeah. There was some great slides, like a few boxes, there were a lot of boxes. Uh, yeah. Just stacking them. Um, but then like you start to realize, like, as you extrapolate out, like people were actually building this, like they were like, yeah, let's do it. We love it. You know, it's like everyone's aiming for the future. And then like, suddenly you st- I started to realize, wow, this sucks. Like imagine a future where like, everything is automated and I it started having this sort of like soul searching where I was like I, I felt like I was sick or whatever like I felt like I was going through this process of like um it's sort of like the hero's journey bit <laughs> where like you have to like you have to sort of go through the death and rebirth cycle and then you come out the other side and and you, you start learning all this stuff um and sort of that was this process of realizing that the future that we were building with this sort of AI overlord idea um, was going to be one that was going to be totally lacking freedom and things like that. So then I started like thinking about, okay, so how do you stop this from happening? Like, how do you stop this train? So I, I was like, very, in a very futile way, I was like, okay, what if we like bind humanity to AI in some way. So like the paperclip problem doesn't like destroy all humans, yeah. you know, like, so how do you like make it like, how can you try you, to lean in first? You yeah, it's, in. Like, it's like, what can you do? Like, what if you like legislate that, you know, only AI hardware could run on devices that are attached to people. Or like, <laughs> wow. you, know, you, you start like thinking about like this stuff. Like, right. V1. You're trying to solve the problem by going deeper into the problem in yeah, a way. Right. Yeah. It's a natural, yeah. it's a natural way to think about yeah, it. Yeah. So like, because I, I kind of felt like it was it was like it was happening right so then you know it's like you're, you're taking all this off um because this was like our whole ethos right and i was going through like the spiritual awakening of like let's actually make the pro-human future um 
so then that led me to all these different projects, peer to peer, sort of like, you know, not like having Google have like some server that's running your computer and you just get a screen or whatever. Like you need to have like full ownership over things. You need like privacy. You need all these pieces. So just starting to realize that, you know, this is the way of the future, um, you know, if you want to build the pro-human future. So then, you know, after like a year of me sort of like going through this journey of, un- of unraveling all that stuff, I came across Servit. Like it's probably like a year, a year and a half. Ago, and a lot of the ideas around her, but I think I like the, the sort of way they were like you guys described a lot of the stuff in terms of like you know you call out Bag of Corp like in some of your documents about you know this these are sort of evil overlords that are sort of just extracting from, from you and and part of the thing that I, I sort of thought through is this this idea where you know um, it's like imagine you have like ten units of like mental capacity a day and like half of it's used for work and like some of it's used for like, you know, the tasks of life. And then there's like this leftover bit and that leftover bit could be used for, you know, self-actualization and like really good stuff. But like you have all of these companies that their goal is to maximize that and take that away and make it consumption. Right. And so that you're just, you know, clicking like and looking at ads or you're like watching something and looking at ads or whatever. And you start to realize that this whole future is horrible. So like I wanted the opposite of that. Um, And getting involved with, or just getting, you know, like a planet for on orbit was great because it sort of was this ethos of the calm computing and all that. Right. So anyways, I was, I was with like playing around the orbit space. I was getting through, going through all the sort of decentralization, you know, blockchain stuff, seeing that there is something there that was more pro human. Um, and then, you know, we had, there was a network breach and I lost all the orbit stuff, like all of my stuff reset. And I was like, Oh, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to just, (laughs) I'm going to go off for a bit. And, and I sort of just put it in the backseat and went off and did other things for a while. Um, and then I started building this sort of peer-to-peer thing um, at the beginning. Well, it was the beginning of 2021 when I started it. So I started from the very bottom, like at the lib P2P level, um, building on top of that, building a little peer-to-peer database you could chat through, all this stuff. Um, and then I started checking back in with Urbit around summertime. And... As soon as I saw you guys had assembly, I signed up for it, right? Because I was curious to see what, because you, you were going to announce some stuff around like software distribution and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, let's see. Because I was like struggling through like building some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like we, I was like building a, a sort of identity system on Polkadot where you just have this sort of chain that you're registering these identities onto, stuff like that. And it was just like, you know, I was like, man, this is a lot. Um, so when I went to assembly and I saw this offer distribution and I saw like a lot had happened, I realized, man, I got to, I got to pivot onto this. And then I reached out to this guy and that's how we got started. The rest is history. Okay, the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. And I know you have an interesting perspective on how you think that DAOs are uh, gradually going to go into the real world, into the physical mm-hmm. meat space. Uh, this seems to be one of the guiding convictions of how you're building Colony and how you're just thinking about building out this tooling over the long term. Um, I think you tend to agree, but maybe we, maybe we can have a, a conversation about that. I mean, w- because one could say, uh, an urban skeptic could say, you know, um, 
yeah, sure, Discord is owned by Microsoft, whatever. It's not ideal, but it's fine. It works, and it and it works now, and it's here, and we don't have to wait for you know some some long development process on Urbit uh, for some newfangled technology. And if things are gonna, if these DAOs are gonna go IRL to real world meetups and real world cities, let's say, maybe the software actually doesn't matter as much. One could say, and so you don't need to build this stuff on Urbit. We'll just go Discord DAOs, go to IRL. You know, virtual, straight to uh, cloud city, straight, straight, yes. to, straight to city, <laughs> straight to cities. So maybe you both can help me understand because it's it's not obvious to me. Like, what is what what is the the link between Urbit DAOs and this calling that a lot of people feel towards towards meet space and towards physical human relationships? Can I can I jump in? Kick this off here because I'm super uh, contrarian on all this. Let's get it. Um, so I, th- I I've said this to you before, but I, I think virtual reality is bullshit. Okay. There's just one reality. Um, the idea that there is a separation between meat space and digital space is a fallacy. All digital space occupies meat space, right? It just in a very concrete way and that it's in servers somewhere. Um, uh, one hopes nothing bad happens to those servers, but, um, you know, and and the users themselves are a place, right? It's just that where they are is in an uncomfortable chair, alone, in a shitty apartment, you know, pouring their life and attention into some centralized software that no one gives a shit about, right? And so DAOs are part of virtual space, and thus physical DAOs are already here. It's just in a very, very sad embodiment, for lack of a better term. And so... I think this is like a general thesis of mine, which is that, you know, thought is embodied. How you are, where you live, what you eat, how you sit, how you stand, that all determines how you think and your thoughts generate the software that you use. So do you think machinic AGI is bullshit? Yes, absolutely. You too? Without. Do you also? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. Just curious. I mean, a lot of people, I would say that's a. a, I can go ham on this. That's a. I would say I would say that's a notably popular opinion among Urbit people oh, yeah, is sure. a skepticism, a strong yeah, skepticism, skepticism around, a strong around the like Nick Bostrom oh, yeah. machinic AGI. It's a great grift, I guess. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, how is it a grift? Like, how are they grifting? I mean, off someone's it? paying those yeah, the people that like fucking t- have takes, yeah. you know, yeah, the what is it? I think it's like the future of humanity. Oh, yes. Institute. Yeah. If you don't pay me, the yes. humanity yeah, has yeah. no future. We must think about this. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> give me if you don't pay me, I'm feeding you to the paper clip. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, much. I mean, the fact that I mean, just the whole thing, the hubris of saying yeah. that you understand what thought is and you know that it's mm. just information is just Dude, and it's, it's, you know what I mean. The whole Interesting. thing is so. Is the is the idea that through Urbit we will create uh, human physical communities that actually manifest true AGI in the terms of embodied yes. collective yeah. intelligence? Is that the idea? Yeah. So the, so and the, why Urbit? Like, what is the link between Urbit and why is Urbit a necessary path to getting there? It, from my perspective, it's that <clears throat> Urbit is okay. I do think I clearly I like computers. It's like I wouldn't be. I mean, if I was right. full. Kaczynski, I would not be doing what I do. So clearly I like see, I'm a moderate actually. (laughs) I'm I'm the moderate uh, resistance or whatever it was called. Um, So uh, I think that there is a place for a computerized prosthetic, right? That is subject to the will of the user. And that's what I think Urbit can be. And that needs to be a general purpose computer that is tied to the real, uh, to the identity of the real person. Hmm. And so Hmm. 
you know, maybe someone could be like, oh, it could be a Docker, inst- maybe, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but I'm like, I don't, I think it has to be a general purpose computer mm-hmm. that a user controls. And the thing is, is like, I don't think if I'm going to have some sort of like prosthetic computer hand, I want it to be a computer hand that I can take apart and understand. I see. Yeah. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that the ideal optimized human communities that foster true collective intelligence are going to leverage computers. Yeah. It's not going to be some back to the land anti-technology thing. What you want is properly engineered computer and networking systems that are aligned with the dignity of human beings. Precisely. Because I, yeah. I think that, that the ability to coordinate action is this is one of the single most in, important things in the history of social movements, right? And if you think about the fact that, I mean, and I mean coordinated action among people, um, dissociating that from geography is that is the telecommunications revolution. Basically, everything else, who gives a shit? Doesn't matter, right? But the fact that I'm like, yo, dog, I'm thinking this thought. You thinking the same thing? And you live three states away, and we can coordinate right. and share resources, right. and maybe sh- and maybe pay one another. That is actually a million times better than some model. Who gives a shit about dude? The and it's so crazy to think how technically you can do this on the on the internet, and yet uh, a terrifyingly small portion of the activity <laughs> exactly. on the internet exactly. is doing that. Exactly. Right? exactly. Right. So I'm like. I, I, and so you think about like the the actual what we're talking about is is straightforward, and the reason that it doesn't happen a lot of times is one the concept the way the user conceptualizes the tool is not correct, right? And then the second one is that everything about I mean the, the personal computer has basically been sucked back up into this centralized mainframe type thing, and so basically when we can have communities based around this kind of stuff and these these communities have to be decentralized autonomous yeah. organizations you know whether they're implemented on urbit or on who knows what kind of i can't keep track of all these things um then that's really the the movement into meat space is the natural it's not a for it's not a forced yeah. thing it is the natural outcome of that and right. that's what that's why i think that the way Trent approaches this it's not like actually he's just following the consequences of how this stuff works not like superimposing some idea of interesting his own. yeah you know I mean? and and the point i want to bring up with this is 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 the way i see this sort of future world that can be built is it needs to be built like it, it, it's sort of like urban is this land right it's like it's land that you own and i think that's an important thing because back in the day like you know when you were just serfs and you you were servicing some lord like you didn't own the land so really to get to this next level of sort of organization in human society we we needed this innovation of like you know being able to own some land right and it was funny because I was reading about the, what was it the Black Plague or something? Some plague. Way back plague. in the day. But it was like, I was reading, never that, right after that was when the peasant revolt happened, yeah. Yeah. right? And that's one of these things where there's a lot of people that got killed in the Black Plague, so they kind of could go to these these landowners and be like, hey, you, know, like, you got to pay us more, yeah. like, like pay us better wages. So they were like less slavey at that point. Because the so supply the, of labor decreased, yeah. Because the supply of labor decreased, yeah. Less slavey, that's, I like less that. Slavery. It, was less, it, was, it was less slavey, <laughs> yeah. but it was still slavey. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but the thing was is like you know, and right now we have this sort of thing. I mean, it's not mass death scenario with the pandemic, but I think it's it's one of these things that's going to do a similar sort of mm, uproar. We sort of see the peasant revolt happening again, yeah, where yeah. we see it's just like a bunch of people, you know, like 
I don't know, like the Zoomers yeah. who are working at McDonald's are like, we're not working at McDonald's anymore. We're just going to sit back and like, I don't know, maybe they put all their, their, their checks, their stipends or doge, whatever. In the doge. In the doge. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then yeah. that's what they're doing. But, but I think that this new innovation is going to be like, you, you can't have like the equivalent of like internet surf, like the internet surf and lore dynamic that, that, you know, we had back in the day and, and get to a point where something that's very free can, can yeah. exist. So right. the, the corollary is like, like we, we used to call like this, you know, what the project we're working on and we probably, I mean, maybe we'll still codename it Plymouth. And the idea is that we're, it's like this digital um, sort of Plymouth moment, right? That's a great name. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, and, and the reason like it's important is because like, there's like this kind of like, you know, religious persecution happening on the internet, or maybe it's political persecution <laughs> yeah, or whatever, yeah. right? And we need, like, this new land to go to, right? Yeah. So we need to sort of, well, like, we, we kind of have it. It's urban, but it's undeveloped, yeah. right? Um, and so the way we sort of see what we're doing is we're sort of, like, coming up and saying, hey, here's, like, some blueprints for, like, you know, the Plymouth Colony, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> here's a hammer. You want to yeah. just, just fucking hit the hammer and <laughs> build it, and if we all build it, then we can build this new, new sort of world. Um, but you can't build it, like, because mentioning it earlier you, you can't build it on like you know microsoft own like discord or you can't build it on like google cloud yeah you know because yeah. at the end of the day like that's rented land yeah, I mean, it's, that's it's not- rented land like look at what happened to parlor and and some of these things that were sort of like you know a little bit on a certain side of the political spectrum they're just yeah. like you're, you're off yeah right yeah, exactly so as soon as like the state sees like this decentralized emergent state for and they'll find a they'll, they'll find a reason to, they'll, right. they'll find a justification. One thing I was going to say um, about the land thing, right? Because this is a thing that comes up with urban a lot, and I think that part of it, I, I just want to make sure everyone understands what that means, because I think nowadays we don't understand what land is. Hmm. Like this is just an this is just a modernity problem. You think it's like some air that you can put your futon in or something. And that's not what land has meant historically. Right? When we're talking about peasant revolt. They're not like, can I have a place to stay? You know, can I have a shitty apartment by the side of the freeway? That's not what they meant. Right. right? They wanted land that would be productive land that would basically collect the value of their labor. Right. The more you work land, the more productive it is. The soil accrues value. You build a house. You build a family. It's like land is not a passive space, right? It is a thing that can be productive if cared for. And this is something that I, you know, like if you're a farmer, you understand this. But I think that the average internet user probably doesn't understand how evocative that metaphor is. And right mm. now, this is the thing that I think, like as a longtime urban user, my ship to me is worth it's priceless to me. I don't mm. know how to better to put it. And that's like, and that's because I've put in all the effort. I mean, I wasn't thinking about his effort. It was mostly just shit posting, but it's like, right. you know, I've accrued a reputation. I, people know me. I'm part of yeah. groups and all this stuff. And so my, my shit becomes more valuable the more I, I, I spend time with it. And that's the thing that I think it's really important to realize. When we're talking about land. Like that is like, interesting. Like you want a colony partially so that you can, reap the benefits of your labor it's not simply yeah. a place to live does that make right. sense it makes total sense and you're right it's so alien i think to most people listening to this and watching this because we've so normalized this culture of like throwaway digital identity yeah, exactly exactly the, it's it's almost it takes some effort to appreciate oh yeah like a correctly designed permanent digital identity 
would be an an asset that accumulates in value the more value I create with that name, right? Yeah, the, it's, it's almost hard to parse. Yeah, exactly. Because, because we're so used to having a million different logins and a million different websites exactly. that disappear it's all just, every it's year. It's just trash, yeah. right? right? It's just fast, fast basically the, whatever, the, the Zara equivalent, Zara's not even the worst, H&M equivalent of, of clothes. And so the thing is, what I think is interesting, and I came up with this metric and we've never been able to use it, which is ransom. The idea being that, like, how much money would you pay to get your ship back if I took it? For, right. If I, took, if I kidnapped your ship. Mm. And I'd be interested to know people's. I mean, for me, it's like, no one take my ship, please. But it's sort of like, it would be a lot of money. It's kind of the, the closest equivalent that m- many internet users might have would be like if they have a decent following on one particular platform, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, let's say you've been writing on Twitter for five to 10 years and you have, you know, a, a nice little audience that, that appreciates your perspective that might feel like very valuable to you. Yeah. Right. Um, but it kind of sucks that it could just disappear. Right? <laughs> exactly, you know, it's like, yeah. it, it's, so it's almost like the best examples we have of what you're talking about are also the greatest exceptions to the rule. Precisely. Because if it's, if that feels so valuable to you and you appreciate and realize how much value you've accumulated under that name, isn't it kind of just insane? It's insane to go on with this world where it could be pulled away from you at a moment's notice, yeah, maybe mm. for political reasons, but maybe for not even political exactly. reasons, just, just a mistake. Reasons. Just or, or the company just goes under because technology changes exactly. so much, right? I think you're right in that that's, that's part of the reason why it's going to be this bridge. But another part of it is, is this, this idea of permanence, right? So, like, there's this old parable. I, I forgot. It was a parable Jesus said to, like, someone. I don't know. Um, but it was essentially like, you know, you should build your house on rocks you know, so it doesn't – don't put it on the sand, right? It's the same sort of thing. Like, don't build your house on the sand. Like, the sand is going to be these platforms that have, like, you know – all these people that come out of a university that has new ideas every four years or whatever, and they can have totally different views on things, or it could just be they go under or whatever. And you can't build like, you can't build a civilization on top of something so flimsy, right? So you need something that can, that can last, right? And I think that's the thing with Urban is that because everyone can own it, it can last, right? And I think that from that, it's going to enable like a totally different mindset in terms of how we can build like online communities to start, um, online, you know, DAO, so decentralized organizations, but then how that transitions into like a physical colony where you have like, you know, 12, 15 families like living in this sort of like crypto community um, or this sort of urban community, right? Yeah. Like you, you can sort of see this transition that can go into that. And just imagine like all of this, all of the stuff that, you know, powers the sort of resource sharing between houses and stuff. All of that would be built on Hell it yeah. as well. So right? and that's like that future vision of let's course, let's but. game plan this even more. Let's let, <laughs> okay. let, let's sure. let's really think about how the, how this will pan out because so look, I have an I have a group on Urbit, the other life group on Urbit. It's active and growing. It's a, it's a cool place. Um and I know a lot of people on Urbit are interested in this. So my buddy Andrew Hitchcock who also lives in Austin, he just bought He's, he's an herbiter and he just bought 21 acres in uh, about 45 minutes west specifically because he wants to build like a Wrath of Non style village basically. So so there's like real interest, real energy, real resources, herbit aligned, herbit adjacent, like eager to move on this kind of thing. So between, you know, let's take the other life group as, as an herbit group example that's going to be using your tooling to build out a DAO on herbit. And we'll, we can think of, you know, Andrew or someone like that uh, as the IRL uh, kind of endpoint. L- let's game out. W- what are the steps like? Like concretely for my audience yeah. watching or listening, if I'm going to build this through Colony off to to West Texas, what's going to have to happen in what order, and how should people be thinking about this? What should they expect 
So can I do my my little my little CSA? And keep talking. I'm I, gonna I, I have something. I have the, the the like I said. I'm the I'm the radical moderate here. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I was I was talking to Trent about. It's like uh, back where I live, back in in Kansas. Uh, I get. I'm a very virtuous guy. I don't know if you knew this. Um, I, I get all my all my produce from a CSA, and I get. You all actually my, live in Kansas? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Dog. Kansas is cool. I didn't know. That. <laughs> yeah, I, I live in Lawrence. Nice. Um, and uh, so we get all of our produce from a CSA. We get all of our meat and milk and cheese, or, or uh, sorry, uh, eggs and stuff like that from a, a farm shit, right? And so. I think about this a lot. Like if you're going to start your own little community, it's, it's nice to be like, Oh, we're just going to have a walled city and we're going to, it's like, you know, you're not bro. <laughs> it's like, you're going to, you have to have economic relations to supply your, your little thing. And so right, right. I think about this, like as closed economic relations, maybe someone who understands economics is a better term. Um, but like, you know, I have suppliers for my needs that aren't a store. Right. There are people with whom I have a relationship that I prepay and it's in their advantage because they can bank on that income and stuff like that. So this to me is actually kind of the next step is you have like a group of people that decides they want to live together. Right. Right. But they need supplies from the outside world or whatever. So they establish relationships, economic relationships with suppliers from the surrounding area that maybe aren't members of this community, but can rely on that community for some amount of income. Right. Right. And since we're moving to, uh, basically full integration of, of, of Bitcoin, of Ethereum, whatever crypto you want to use with your orbit, with your group, you're talking about being able to basically enter into these closed economic relations with other real world actors, which is how you get into the thing where you're like, okay, well, we're going to set up a private school for our kids to go to. Right. We're going to get all of our produce from this farm. Heck, let's actually buy a share of that farm so that we can, you know, and then you can start moving into this thing okay. where you're establishing economics. Oh, you guys are getting farther and farther. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, it's good. just the takes. Yeah, I my know. Takes, <laughs> um, it's just like you're, you're establishing essentially like econ, an economic, this is the thing that you realize with Amazon and shit like that. Is it like actually how people get hard commercial goods the distribution of these things is very important, right? Yeah. And so establishing that and allowing your physical DAO, your IRL DAO, to basically enter into closed economic relationships with trusted partners, who, of course, you could encourage to also be on Urbit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then you start, that's, I think, kind of like the first step there. Interesting. And Interesting. that doesn't require us moving to a walled city, you know, in the tropics, which so, would be cool. But. So, so, so step one is like, so the, the other life group starts getting, uh, like other businesses that we buy things from, we get them on Urbit and then like our buying contracts are run through Urbit. You think that's like the, the, the base layer. I, I want the other life Dow to have a symbiotic relationship with a supplier supply a supply DAO, right? Like right. I'm the, I'm the wool DAO. I'm the, you know, I'm the, the farmer DAO. DAO. Exactly. Yeah. And so you have symbiotic relationships and then you are, I mean, cause the thing is, is like money's great. I, don't get me wrong. I yeah. love money. But the thing is, is you can't eat money Yeah. and you need to, and, and I think really lasting economic relationships, which will allow you to weather storms are based on trust. And 
trust is something you can build with a permanent identity. You cannot build trust with a whole bunch of like anon weirdos that are Ethereum addresses on the internet. I'm sorry. And a bunch of bored ape avatars. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, no matter how bored that ape is, do you see what I'm saying? So this is, so this is kind of my like mini LARP. I'm like, this is like, Mm -hmm. to me, that actually doesn't seem that far away. Buying raw milk with crypto is not that far away. Like we're there. Right. Okay. And anyway, he can can take you. Yeah. What are your thoughts? The the future. I mean, so, I'll start with like the more tangible, like short term. And really the goal is, is with the people that you, you sort of come together with online, like finding a way to sort of build some sort of economic stability between those people so that when it comes time to like start thinking about like, oh, let's buy, you know, let's pull our, our capital and buy like 40 acres or whatever. We can start, you know, building some stuff out there. And I'm sure there'll be people that are, you know, building some sort of like, you know, kind of model homes around these ideas. Um, so architects on Urbit, reach out. Yeah. Uh, de Lebrun. <laughs> um, also farmers. Yes. Uh, let's, let's I'll, get I'll put your at P in the corner of the video. So oh, yeah, perfect. And perfect show notes. But, but so it's, it's, it's about getting sort of this economic stability between like within the DAO um, in the digital space. Um, and then once you get to that point, you could then start transitioning with pieces into the physical space. Like it, it doesn't even have to be like, you don't have to build like the walled city at, you know, the first right. version, like you could, you know, rent out an office space, right. And, and have like a shared office space in, with, for that down, right. right. You can do things like that, that are like, you could have like a, you know, some sort of like lodge style thing yeah. where you just get like have this physical instantiation that isn't fully like living in you right. know an off the grid like community. The other, life, the other life group could just like rent a small room in Austin somewhere. Honestly, and it, and it other life just, gentleman's club. <laughs> yeah, like having a cigar lounge or something. Yeah. You just go in. Yeah, and, I think and, it's it, good. and it could be collectively owned by yeah. at the Dow. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's ways you can get your feet wet without having to like build a new civilization or whatever. But like obviously the the long term is you you kind of want, you know, a way to grow this next stage of civilization where you have like a lot of this decentralized stuff coordinated through, you know, probably some, you know, one, one of the, one of the Akbar helixes um, or, or something like that, right? Like, or, or another blockchain, but you, you would have all this coordination happening. Um, but in this future state, you could imagine like, you know, this Kansas community or whatever that, you know, you're going to be building Anthony. Um, and then they'll have, be like a community. Anthony Dow. <laughs> Anthony Dow. <laughs> Anthony Dow. <laughs> what, what, what does Kansas do? Like corn? Like what do they do? Bro, oh, come on. It's the sunflower state. Oh, sunflower. We, okay. We make, make this country run. But like, so then you have, you know, another community that is maybe in Florida and they produce oranges, but they don't produce oranges in Kansas. So like you'll have this sort of, these sort of relationships that can start forming um, that are sort of, abstracted away from the, the, the local political situation. So it, it's going to be this interesting world that I think we're going to be diving into over the next five, ten years. And I think it can only happen on orbit. Like, we could only do this on something that, you know, can't be taken down off on, like, AWS or whatever, right? So it needs to be something you own. It needs to be something that can be trusted. It needs to be something that, you know, we're going to be getting this awesome blockchain it like tightly integrated into the whole ecosystem i think all those pieces are kind of vying for making this future possible on urban and i think that the future of this is going to be like very exciting and we just have to 
go for it. You just got me thinking, what if the Branch Davidians at Waco had Urban? <laughs> like, would it have... Would this it is have, not official it, Urban. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> think, it, think it through. Like, would it have played out differently? How would it have played out? So Okay, so so oh. I actually don't know that much about the Branch Davidians. I mean, it's, it's interesting to think, though, that, you know, if... I mean, that's an interesting question, yeah. right? Because I actually don't know what the core of the dispute was. It was, it was uh, about guns. guns yeah. yeah, they were stockpiling guns. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and maybe stuff involved with the, the women and children being But I always felt like abused. there was like sort of a post hoc rationale for some of yeah, this Yeah, it's stuff. very debated, yeah. of course. I'm just um, saying what, what they would have said. What, what I would have, what I would say is that, I mean, intentional communities exist. They always have existed. Right. And they still exist. And generally, the, and there's better and worse ways to run them. Right. Uh, I think so. I think any of these things, uh, be they digital or real, um, relations with the sort of ambient society have to be a priority. So it's like if, if you and I'm, that's just sort of a generic statement. But I right. think what happens when a lot of this stuff kind of falls apart it's because you're doing crazy. It's just like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah. like, like Osho or I'm, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That. it's like, dude, why? You know, it's like you actually were okay until you like took it too far. Right. And so I think it's like, um, if I think about but like, who's to say what's too far. Well, you only right? know we're freedom, lo- <laughs> exactly. we're freedom <laughs> lovers, right? Well, well I mean, freedom I and stupidity yeah. are not necessarily the same thing, but I, I do think that like, wh- what is interesting though, is that branch Davidian ism, right? Which, I actually looked at this up. It's actually pretty fucking interesting. Um, so it has to do with the, the 104, you know, the 144,000. Remind me. There's like a, in the book of revelations, you didn't know you're going to get this <laughs> podcast. Listen. Uh, uh, in the book of revelations, there's a basically a part of the revelation is that there was like 144,000 righteous that are whatever. I forget. Nice. That's a lot. Um, it's pretty, that's like the city of Wichita Falls, Texas. Um, and so, uh, and then, and then what's, there's another one where it's the, the iron rod of David, I think is what, what the Davidianism is. Anyway, he had this belief system. Um, so it's interesting to think that that belief system if he had better information technology, right. could it have become like a cyber sect? Right. And then just obviate the need for all the guns and the right. compounds and all that. That's good an stuff. interesting perspective. So, what I would no, that's, that, that, I don't that's, know, that's like that's totally plausible. Sorry. What I was thinking was that if in a way the branch Davidians and groups like that, they feel like they have to go down in a in a a blaze of glory. Oh, yeah. There's a lot but of that shit. The, the reason they feel like that, one of the reasons that they feel like they have to go down in this blaze of go- glory, why they have to stick to their guns, literally, <laughs> right, is it, because they have a genuine and I think correct sense that if they were to give up on that house, on that piece of land yeah. and disband, it would be over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas if all of their relationships were through urbit ships and through a kind of Dow system, right? If all of the members of the Branch Davidian sect at Waco had all of their economic and social logic um, in an urbit network, arguably they would have been less concerned and they would have been able to walk away from the property when the FBI showed up or they would have been able to, you know, it won't cease to exist. Exactly. Right? Because they could easily reconstitute it somewhere else if they needed and, to. And isn't that, that's really fascinating to think about. And like, you know, I'd like to say urban is the only way to do this. It's really not right. I mean, like it's sort of like, what if branch Davidianism was just an email list? What if that guy had a substack? No, no, but, no, but, no, but it might be unique because the FBI would be, 
arguably possibly be able to coordinate with the other authorities and the big tech platforms to shut them down. Would right? David Koresh's Substack have been able yeah, to? Yeah, obviously been not. No, obviously no. No, this is really that's real, probably, this that's, is really relevant yeah, that's and fair. Really like, um, obviously at the time when Waco was kicking off, had they had a digital uh, technology, a digital community of any kind on any big tech platform, of course oh, yeah, they yeah. would That's be taken off. the first off. thing they would have done. Of yeah. course they, they would genuinely, because, um, you know, the you know David Koresh is, so in that moment, was certainly worse and more of a danger than someone like Alex Jones yeah, 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 yeah. on whom they were able to have coordinated yeah. big, tech, really, big tech cancellation. That's a really good so point. It actually might have had to have been Urban. Yeah, yeah. That's know, a, not I mean, that I'm a big David ah. Koresh fan or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think in general, though, it's like, the this subject right i mean it's ba- we're basically talking about intentional communities right yeah it, that's like a term that sounds like boomer though no but it does yeah. but it's sort of like we shouldn't be i mean I, I i think this is one of the big mistakes that people make when they're doing futuristic shit is that they're unwilling to learn from the recent past and i don't want to do that sure you know what i mean like i'm just like dude totally mm-hmm. yeah. and so like i and that's why i'm down with intentional communities like you, yeah and, and so um, there's a lot of prior art there, you know, and there's a lot of people who have done it, have tried. And I think it's, it's, it's important to bring that up, you know, totally. I, I mean, you, I mean, I, I feel like the, the Zeit guys, our time is about reinventing the fucking wheel. In a and way, the thing is like, yeah. don't reinvent, we got a lot of stuff to do. Do not spend it reinventing the wheel. In a way, so. Osho did it kind of the best, like it really powerfully. Dude, and Osho, Osho. Yeah. What's crazy about Osho is that he wasn't called Osho. He was called some other thing. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. But he did all that shit. Rebranded, came back as Osho, and is now you can't kill Osho. Did he? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't yeah. Actually so Osho is like his like second incarnation as whatever this. But thing. if you watch that documentary, like they did actually like take over cities effectively. Oh, yeah, like they yeah, they yeah. took over the governance of cities. Um, I I think like quite an impressive amount of space. It wasn't just like a house like like the, oh, Waco, yeah, yeah. the Waco people. Well, well, and and so I think what's interesting, like, and this is the other thing that I think if you want to be successful, uh, you have to be willing to learn from people that you may disagree with <laughs> yeah, right. do you know what i mean it's, it's yeah, like yeah. I, I, i'm not dude i'm not into whatever osho's selling but right. the thing is but like you want to you want to get what they got right exactly as far as possible exactly as as exactly yeah. and it's just, so it's sort of like you gotta be you gotta be kind of cold when you're looking at this stuff because right. you don't know where you're gonna find lessons totally totally you have any thoughts on any of this i know oh, no, we kind of got crazy here yeah no no the, i mean i just yeah i think i think the way i see it is more so in alignment with like the hutterite communities of alberta and in huh. those those regions, so they're they're sort of like this these group this group that's not really Amish. Like they're not Amish in that they don't like technology. They have technology to do these things, but they're they're like these small communities of like two hundred or so people um, that they they just do a lot of chickens. Like they have chicken farms. Um, <laughs> but like if you go in, in chicken Alberta, down, chicken down, it's like chicken down. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but it's like if you go anywhere in Alberta, you 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 come across these you know chickens. They're really naturally raised for your age, all this stuff. Anyways. But they, they have these communities like spread around in Canada and, and, and they sort of exist in their own sort of microcosm. So they but they, they're still like, you know, tightly bound to the local economies. Yeah. Right. So they're like, you know, they're paying their taxes, doing all the things. So it's like it, it, for any of these things to work, you have to sort of like, you know, feed all of the local ecosystems. Yeah. That is the political ecosystems with tax dollars to some extent. You're going to have to, you know integrate in other ways so maybe you're you're producing crafts maybe there's some people that can so i think it's got to be one where it's sort of like not like the the crash sort of thing where it's like sort of just wall off yeah right you're, yeah. you're walled off you're you're sort of this thing outside of town everyone's like what's going on over there yeah. it's like got to be this thing that's very sort of inviting and very much yeah. ingrained with the local and in the states uh, at least in kansas and the surrounding states the mennonites are like that so it's like you know like a lot they have to do a lot of 
eggs and farming and stuff like that. And they're known for the quality of their produce. And it's, mm-hmm. and that's a really interesting thing because it's sort of like they do, they are somewhat separate, you know, mm-hmm. but they're not like, there's no yeah. walled, it's not like a yeah. compound or anything, you know? So, yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's like gotta be done in that realm. I think there's a lot of people that are like, you know, they're like Bitcoin citadels, man. We're going to just go <laughs> build these walls and exactly. the peons can stay outside yeah. while the collapse happens and yeah. we'll stand with our armed guards. But it's like, that's not the way, I don't think that's the way that this future becomes good for uh, well, like people. I think people. it's also historically it's, never happened. You know, it's like the idea that, I mean, there's always sort of um, relationships with people on your border, even if that border is just a conceptual border, intellectual border, there's always this back and forth, you know, and this idea that it's just going to be Bitcoin fortress. Like, it's just like, dude, it's just not real. Well, you know know who did a good job? The Mormons did a bang up job. They kind of got a whole state. Yeah. Right. So like, I wonder, I wonder if they paid a lot of, they paid pretty high price though. The Mormon wars were pretty gnarly. For sure. For sure. I just wonder, (laughs) I don't want to no urban wars. I wonder if, I wonder if urban IRL communities should, you know, the urban monasteries or the urban, whatever people are calling them, whatever, however it gets materialized. I wonder if people should be thinking about kind of integrated, uh, kind of almost governmental, operations with with current like to take over a whole state or something like that through a kind of slow gradual network uh uh building or something like that i I think about that like even talking about taking stuff over it's like you don't really want to use those terms right yeah i don't mean mean, really what you want to do is you want to lobby on your own behalf right Mm -hmm. and it's funny i was at the um bitcoin developer meetup yesterday and there was a guy there who was talking about sort of like his efforts with the texas legislature to I don't know, whatever they're trying to push forward, but yeah, that's really good. You know, like that's a really good way to think about it. And I'm sort of, I think that's great that they, that they do that and they think like that because I think that's really what you're talking about. Like you just want to make sure that the ambient society is friendly to your interests. Like you don't really want, I don't really want to like take over, you know, the uh, housing and human develop, whatever the heck it's called. You know, you don't want to do that. You want them to, like not bum you out. <laughs> let's let's send some updates to people out there who are listening or watching w- from the developer perspective, uh, because you know a lot of people might think it's kind of insane that someone would even be building a startup on Urbit when a lot of people are thinking like I don't even wa- they don't even want to spend the five the five <laughs> minutes they don't even want to spend the five minutes it takes to like get an get an Urbit planet and boot up boot up their ship yeah. right so the idea I, I think a lot of people especially developers and engineers we have a fair m- number of those in my, in my audience we have. A, pretty sophisticated audience um, are probably thinking like, how how on earth, yeah. How on earth would someone come to the decision to build a startup on this technology that is seen as so kind of distant and undeveloped and, and um, high risk. So yeah, walk us through that a little bit and, and specifically share some details on like how things are going Uh, because you're building your hard at work, you you know, at the moment. So yeah, just share a bit on that. Yeah. So I think one of the things you're sort of hitting on is like, Hoon is is, is, to, is a totally new language. It's kind of foreign to some extent. Like things, you know, represented in binary trees. Oh yeah, it, it's it's slightly different than what people are used to. This this runic language versus one that's you know says what things are. So <laughs> so it's something like it's like this very. It's almost like this esoteric language that you're getting into. Um, so when you don't, I guess when you don't see a path, like you have to really be like into it to like jump in prior to seeing a path to like software distribution and things like that. So for me, it was like when I, like there's a moment when I was watching on stage and I saw the ease at which like 
you know, an app was published, right? It was just like it worked on my thing and I, I push it out. Um, and I was just, I could start seeing like this, like this, it was almost like it unlocked this like 20 years down the line sort of view of what this would be. And like how if you, like if we get started today, even though it's super early and we're like one of the first companies trying to build on this, um, like once there's a few milestones that are hit with Urbit, like the L2s released one day, um, and all of these things start opening up, right? So we're going to have new DAO, like a unified DAO experience on there. People are, are going to be able to go through this L2, like very easy onboarding path. Like there, I don't think this, like I think in, in a year, no one's going to be asking like, well, what, you're crazy for doing this. You know, like, why are you doing this? I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like this, this rush is starting. Like, I think this year is the year that the fire is going to light beyond the Urbit like community. Okay, interesting. So you're kind of just making a wager on that. For that that's how you see it, and, yeah. and you're compelled by that. And t- talk a little bit more in detail about the the technical experience, because I mean, I know I know a good number of very good engineers, really sophisticated engineers, who still say to me, "I'm never going to learn this stupid language. I just don't know." Like, no, they just say no. Um, and so, how did Philistines. you? So, so yeah. I mean, are what are they missing? Are are they are they kind of? Uh, more concerned and intimidated than they need to be um or how do you how should people think about it well it's interesting because me me and um one one of our our back end developers um he we both sort of hit this moment when we were going through like in learning hoon where you're just like why the hell is it why the hell are you doing why does this work like this and you're like get to this moment where it's almost like you're kind of like you kind of have this thing like, why are we doing this? It's sort of like pissed off. And then like, there's a moment that you come to where it's, you start getting it. Right. So it's like, there's this, there's this like dark, dark path you have to walk down. <laughs> the dark night of the soul. It's the dark night of the soul. Yeah, pretty much. But the, the developer dark night. And once you get through it, you start seeing this, this light and you start, you know, getting the full flow of like, Oh, I just poked this from the a UI and it's going and storing something in, in graph store. And, once you unlock that full, like for me, it's, it's all about like unlocking that full flow. Like once you understand what's happening along the way for that full flow, you understand how to do like these common tasks that you would do in other languages. Like once you have those skills, like those patterns understood, you can start building on top of it. I mean, so, I, as someone who talks to founders a lot, I mean, do you have a line on this? Like, how do you think about that? How do you, how do you communicate this? Well, um, a lot of the people that I deal with are already zealots. Sure. You know, so I actually don't, sell Hoon a lot. Um, I had a similar experience and I actually think it's just the experience of yeah. learning Hoon. Um, but one thing that we're doing on the, um, on the foundation side, uh, we are, we hired a guy to work just on developer experience and basically improve that whole thing. Cause I, one misconception I think is the benefits of developing on Urbit really accrue when you don't think about Hoon. Hoon is a language you'll never use anywhere else. So a lot of developers are trying to be like, you know, what's the use of learning Hoon? Because I can't, you know, use it somewhere else and put it on your LinkedIn. You probably get banned or something, you know. Uh, and so I think, uh, but they're missing the point somewhat. So like the, the, the real benefit is not, pro, is not a programming language. It's the operating system as a whole and how Hoon interacts with everything on the system. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not like I'm like writing a Python program on my Mac. It's like if you're programming your whole operating system. Does that make sense? Totally. And so learning Hoon in isolation is kind of like, well, this is kind of weird and dumb, right? Well, some people like it just because it's like a kind of a like brain fuck um, 
Sorry, this is a family show. Um, no. But uh, so I think basically reframing it such that developers understand it's like this is how you can program your Urbit, not how you learn Hoon. And Hoon is like a tool that you use to do that. And so we're trying to like kind of reorient the developer experience stuff towards that. Because once you can poke something, which is just like basically like a, like a uh, command to an application um, and see its effect. Like you just, oh shit, you can connect the dots, you know? Right. And so getting people to that stage instead of learning the language in isolation, because right. like who, who cares, right? Well, you, I think what you're getting at is it with, when you're building apps on Urbit, you don't have to create your own database. You don't have to create oh, your no. own graph. You don't have to. Um, Which is like you, hard for people to believe. Yeah, right. Actually, I mean, so they're like, what? It's just, you the just, app is just right. like this many. You just you know? plug yeah. into this already existing database and social graph. And so maybe you could explain in, in detail for people, like when you were thinking about when you're specking out your software that you're building on Urbit, like how much harder would it have been to do outside of Urbit? Like what, what give us an example of the trade-offs involved. And when you were like, that really made you see like, oh, wow, this would actually be easier to do on Urbit for X, Y, and Z. Well, like if we, if we were trying to do this, like in the traditional development path, you'd probably, you know, you'd spin up a database on some AWS cloud or something like that, right? And then you would have to build an API layer that essentially has business logic that will translate what's going on in the UI. So the UI will hit this thing in the middle and you're writing it there. And it's this thing that translates all that to like these database calls essentially. Um, so you're building all these layers that kind of do the same thing and you just keep doing that over and over and over and over again. And that's a centralized project. version. If you're trying to well, do it on a decentralized version. Yeah. If you're trying to do it in a centralized peer-to-peer one, it's like, yeah, you, it's even harder because then you have to somehow have like manage the IPs addresses from these different devices and, and all that. So th- there's like a huge level of complexity if you're doing it in a peer-to-peer. But just for, coming from a like centralized development experience, like it, it, it would have taken a, a lot of, of work to put these pieces together. But when when we started getting into the, you know, developing goal agents and stuff, um, yeah, it was you. You just had a few files that you had to define, right? You had you had your structure file. You've got your lib file. We had a, a graph validation file. We got sort of our our app agent, and there was just a handful of files, and the logic in that was fairly straightforward. Um, and it, 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 it like I think it's this one the thing where. It takes a while to get used to it, but once you're used to it, you can start churning it out really fast. Like there's always That's a what lot. Logan of, tells me that yeah, because yeah, it's, it's, yeah. there's always a lot of upfront work in getting all the tools together and getting you know all the, you know, the AWS set up and getting all the stuff set up in the traditional development world. Um, and it's like always the same upfront like grind work. But with Urbit, it's like once you get like once you understand like the structure. Then it's just like boom, you could jump in and start making an app. It's like if I want to make a task management app, like a little Trello, it's just like I could probably do that in like in a week or less if I just sat down and wanted to do it. So it it, it unlocks this thing once you get to the point of sort of competence, and okay. I think that's the, that's yeah. the key to it. No, that, that, those are. Some I mean, good it's details. funny because like, when you do regular app development, like people forget that. The boring shit of like signing up, having a user database. Was, it just takes a lot of time. And then like you know? the CI/CD process right. that you set up, <laughs> exactly. and it, you get a, it automates the deployment and versions. Yeah, and, and so it's one of those things where it's like that's never in the mocks. People, are like, oh, this is not, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. well, let's talk about logging in. What if you lose your password? What if it's right, like right. all that yeah. shit? It's just all gone, and you try to do that in a pseudonymous, decentralized way. Well, 
good luck. You know. Well, I think this was awesome, guys. We covered a lot of ground. I don't know if there's anything else you really wanted to sneak in, but I think that was awesome. We covered some futuristic shit. We covered some like nitty gritty details as well. So I think there's a lot here for for the audience, and I really enjoyed this. Boom. So uh, for people out there listening, I'm giving away planets, orbit planets on once L2 ships. So there's a waiting list. If you just go to imperceptible.computer, that I will give you. I will give all listeners of the show a free orbit planet. Um, I might, Damn. if you're listening to this in like two years, maybe I might have to add, <laughs> I might have to add a modest fee at some point, but at the moment, uh, at the time this episode drops, just get on the waiting list and I'll hook you up. Um, so yeah, it's exciting times, man. Exciting times on the urban network. Thanks yeah, guys. I really appreciate sure. it. You'll put our Pat P's in the show. Yeah, notes. I'll put their Pat P's, I'll put your Pat P's in the show notes so you can reach out to Anthony or Trent and, uh, connect with all of us on the network. Yeah. Come say hi. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Th- and thanks to assembly capital for having us. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You made it all the way to the very end, so you must really like the show. In that case, I would be super grateful if you'd be so kind to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is go to otherlife.co slash review. That's otherlife.co forward slash review. And it'll send you to Apple Podcasts. Just leave a review. You can be honest. Tell me what you really think. I'd really appreciate it because it'll help other people find the show, and I'm really trying to grow out the podcast. So thanks for listening, and thank you for leaving a review. I really appreciate it.